and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, where you'll hear advice from experienced safety leaders on how to protect your people and business. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld. My guest today is Kevin Hannes, Vice President of Emergency Management at Accent Care, a national leader in home health care. With decades of experience in executive and emergency management roles, including FEMA, Kevin has a wealth of knowledge for organizations on how to streamline and implement enterprise-level emergency plans. Let's listen in. Hey, Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Coming up with good ideas is one challenge, but bringing them to fruition at scale is really entirely different. So I'm really excited to dig into that with you today. Peter, it's great being here. I'm glad to uh, be part of this effort that you have ongoing with uh, Alert Media. So for starters, can you give us a brief overview of Accent Care and the areas that you serve? Yeah, so Accent Care is a national home health, hospice, and personal care services company. We're in 31 states in the District of Columbia. But in a nutshell, we provide that home health care to those in need, from children all the way up through uh, the final moments of life through our hospice care. And we also provide personal care services so that those that need assistance taking care of themselves and or around the house, we're there to support them and their families on a daily basis as needed. So you've got people not only in core facilities, but folks that are really all over the place. There's a lot of people to be concerned with. We have about 235 facilities. Some are inpatient centers where we have three freestanding hospice centers and we have joint ventures uh, with other hospitals and assisted living facilities. But we have 20,000 patients on a given day that we're seeing in their homes across the nation. So the breadth of our looking out in our safety program has to encompass all of that, not just your standard one facility. So we're we're broad, we're expansive across the entire nation. Yeah, that's a lot to take care of. So how do you ensure that operations in 31 states across so many locations are prepared for any type of emergency? I think one of the things that we've done over the last two years to strengthen that is to standardize our approach. When I joined Accent Care, we had emergency management plans, but they were Various, right? They weren't standardized across the, the enterprise. And so my first challenge and task was how do we standardize our processes for emergency management and safety across the entire enterprise to make sure that people know what to expect from us and what we expect from them. But then we've developed this concept and we used it at uh, FEMA under uh, Brock Long, but it was locally executed. So those on the ground, those in closest to the event are executing the plans, right? They're the safety measures. Our regional teams are managing them and the ability to bring additional resources as needed within their authorities. And then from a headquarters standpoint, we provide direct support. We provide that overall strategic guidance, but we're here in direct support. So locally executed, regionally managed, headquarters supported. And that concept ensures that those on the ground close to the situation have the capacity and capabilities to deal with what they have in front of them. And we're not burdening them with directions from headquarters, right? We're there in direct support. So implementing that philosophy has really given us the ability to do more with less and train and build that capacity for resiliency with inside our our day-to-day caregivers. So standardization is great, but when the rubber meets the road, once those plans are in place, how do you ensure that they're being implemented properly? A lot of people in my career have done exercises that they are checking a box, right? We did our tabletop exercise or we did this exercise and they were all designed for success. Well, you don't learn anything from success. 
the objective of an exercise is to test the capacity and strength of the plan and identify where there are gaps, right? We want to break the plan while we're in a peacetime, if you will, environment or a non-threatening environment so that we understand where potential gaps are. We do that through that, not only the exercise and the test or, or a real event, but through our after action process. And one of the key questions we ask our staff during that process is, was there a policy or a procedure written by headquarters that was unexecutable or it prevented you from doing something? And so we get that input back and we build that into an active after action thing where we designate people to take lead on improvements or those types of things. You've got to involve those that are executing in the decision making and the plan development if you want to be successful. If you just write plans and throw them out there, you're going to fail. Is there an example of a, an eye-opener that you received after a real test in the field that you said, wow, we didn't expect that to happen? Yeah, yeah, communication. We do a lot of transmitting. Oh, we sent emails. You know, we posted in the newsletter. We put it on the employee bulletin board. Well, was it received? Was it understood? Did they have a chance to question and, and fully then understand it? So we've got to do a better job of communication. And I, I saw that early in this is that we had transmitted stuff we had some acknowledgement of receipt, but we never checked that understanding of the process and the procedures. And so now that's a, a clear thing that we're trying to institute, not only in the preparedness phase, but in the early in the response phase of communicating, not just transmitting. I think that's a huge piece of advice and a great lesson learned. A lot of people don't think that communication is critical during emergencies, but if you think of one time where communication is absolutely vital, it's when nothing's going according to plan and there's some emergency happening. You have to be able to communicate before, during, and after constantly. Yes. And it's communicate. So it's not just transmit, but it's receiving the message, understanding the message, and then being able to take the action. Yeah, very much two-way. Yeah. You also said early on that uh, one thing you like to do when you go through these emergency exercises is to throw a monkey wrench into the works. What's your favorite monkey wrench to throw into the works? So, so we were doing a... Uh, we were doing one out in California, uh, and of course, they anticipated having a earthquake, right? California. Earthquakes are probably the most prevalent, or wildfire. So we had a facility that had a federal agency to go and name that was nearby that had made some controversial real-world decisions, and that spurred a protest that broke into civil unrest. And so that's the scenario they got, and they were completely shocked and scared. And that's what I wanted. I want them to feel in a, in a controlled environment. I want them to feel that pressure of what do we do so that it starts sinking in, right? So if we would have done the hurricane, uh, the earthquake, and they would have hit under their desks and then walked outside and said, okay, everybody go home, we didn't learn anything. But this gave them an opportunity to figure out how am I going to communicate with my staff? How am I going to communicate with my regional leadership? Do I need to communicate with these folks? Where is my safest place in this facility? And again, it, they expected one thing and they got another. And that's what happens in real life. In the heat of the moment, I'm sure people were a little upset that that occurred. But afterward, when they had time to reflect, were they pretty appreciative that you took yeah, them they, through that? Yeah, they said, wow, it, this makes sense. We understand now why you did that for us. Because now we actually had to get into our plan, right? We actually had to know things. I think they appreciated that and learned that a whole lot much more. That's great. Well, I think it's fantastic. And we'll call that the monkey wrench protocol. And if people are doing well, 
you start throwing more advanced stuff at them because we want them during a controlled environment to feel stress because they need to know how they feel in a stressful environment. The other lesson that we learned from that is that now leadership has to understand that it's okay to feel stressed. Just make sure your staff knows what your stressors are and what indications do you have or do you portray if you're getting stressed because then they can help pull you back, right? Again, locally executed, more stress, regionally, maybe a little less and still some stress. At headquarters, it's not impacting us directly. So we got to be able to provide that calm to the situation, give them that reassurance that, hey, we got you. You have a whole team around you. You're not alone. You have to do certain things, but you're not alone. We're, help is on the way. We just need you active until help gets So you've coordinated recovery efforts for a number of major events over the years, such as the Ebola crisis, Hurricane Harvey, Deepwater Horizon, and Texas wildfires. So how do these experiences inform your approach to emergency management? I think they all, they build on each other. There are some common themes that are out there. A lot of it comes into that communication, coordination, and collaboration. And those are kind of the three C's of emergency management. During Hurricane Harvey, we actually added four more. And so we, we followed the seven C's for Hurricane Harvey. And we thought that the reason was is we need to get some things to happen. So it was communicate, coordinate, and collaborate is kind of the standard three that you do as a federal agency supporting a state. But then we wanted to do it with compassion, competency, and we wanted to be consistent. Well, that's six. The last one is completing actions. One of the things I found in a lot of events, and you find this in any industry, is you put out direction, you put out this, but do you actually complete the event, right? Do you complete the action so that you can go back through the process one more time? So it's really following through on that final C of completing actions to be able to start the process again. And so that I think when you look at an event, whether it was the work I did with Ebola in Texas, the Texas wildfires, Deepwater Horizon, Hurricane Harvey, these large complex events, if you can manage those seven items, you can be successful. What kind of emergency do you think organizations are the least prepared for? I've thought about this, and I think the active shooter, even though you hear a lot about it, I don't know if we're prepared for that, right? Because there's a lot to prepare for that, and especially in in our environment where we're in homes. You know, how do you prepare 20,000 homes for, for that type of event? But it's through education, right? The other thing that I don't think we're prepared for as a nation as a whole is that cyber threat. What are you going to do on, until the computer comes back up? That program or that system that you're using, you think has to be up in 30 minutes. It may take three days. How do you maintain continuity of operations? And in the healthcare industry, how do we maintain continuity of care, right? If you don't have access to their electronic medical record, how do you do that? And those are steps that we are constantly working on, trying to develop the right plans, the right processes and procedures for to really ensure that when something goes bad, that we can stay in business. Right, that we can continue to support our patients, our staffs, our clients, and their families. And having people ready and becoming more resilient as an organization will help us do that. You know, historically, cyber has been in the realm of IT, and it seems like maybe people on the safety and business continuity side weren't really involved. Have you seen that mature and change over the last no. few years? No, I haven't. You know, one of the big stats they gave during a lot of the major events, you think of Superstorm Sandy, you think of Farming. You think of small businesses. 
If a small business closed for more than seven days, the odds of them reopening are less than 10%. Wow. They didn't have the right insurance or they didn't have a backup plan of how am I going to stay in business if an event occurs, right? You can't blame them. I mean, it's it's big. It's scary. They've started a business. It's their whole livelihood. But we've got to find a way as a nation to make commerce part of our preparedness plan so that businesses, especially the small business, which is the heart and soul of America, can stay functioning no matter what the event is. So with your experience and then looking forward into the future, do you see with all these different threats and so many different disciplines and categories and areas in the company that you'll start to see maybe more of a chief resiliency officer title who can really coordinate and bring all this together? Well, I think, you know, that's a great title. I first one heard of that. That's part of that business continuity. And, you know, for healthcare, it's not only how do you keep the business going, right? How do you keep uh, doing your billing and receiving accounts and accepting patients? But it's how do you keep caring for the patients when it could be an austere environment? How do you work through that? And an event occurs. You look at Walmart, you look at the major, you know, Target, Home Depot. They have those backup plans. They have ways to continue to get goods and services to those in need. And I think that's the thing when you take over and you sit in the seat, you have to ask yourself, am I ready? Are you ready for all the responsibility that comes with that seat? Yeah. And I think how we conduct business in this country has changed. It seems like everything is just going more just in time. The more just in time you are, the more fragile you are. So you've got to have really strong resiliency plans in place to address any disruption to that just in time process. And look at the supply chain, right? How do you build that resiliency in your business? And a lot of it is about leadership. Are you leading your organization or are you managing? You manage processes and things, you lead people. Some of that can be learned. There's a lot of it that is natural, but it can be learned of leading your employees, making them part of your solutions, making them part of the feel of the team and part of the organization. You build that loyalty, you build that leadership. People will do extraordinary things from uncommon folks that will get you through those things because they're being led and not managed. Well, as we wrap up here, what advice do you have for other leaders who are managing enterprise-level programs? Involve the entire team, right? As you're creating systems, policies, processes, doctrine, whatever it is, Remember that the field has to execute. Great policies are written at the headquarters level, but sometimes they have unintended consequences. Make sure that, it, and you do that with any planning effort, right? You want to involve the entire community that's being asked to be part of that plan in the development of it, in the things so that they feel part of the system. It gives them ownership. It gives them some buying. It gives them a sense of resilience. But as you're looking at a large enterprise, so if you involve them in the process, they're going to get that buying in as well. That's where we gain resilience. Well, sage advice indeed. Kevin, thanks so much for taking time today. I really enjoyed the conversation. I love your seven C's, of which I remember communication, coordination, and collaboration. So I've got some studying to do. Yeah, consistency, competency, compassion, and complete the action. Excellent. Well, thank you again. Thank you very much. I appreciated the time and uh, look forward to talking to you again in the future. Excellent. Be sure to check the links in the show notes to learn more about Kevin and his work at Accent Care. We'll be back next week with more insights and ideas to help you protect your business and people. 
Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Have a safe week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, the industry's most intuitive emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com. Until next time.